0: Welcome to Not Sticking to Sports, a political and news-focused podcast brought to you by some of your favorite sports writers and personalities. I am David Walker with The Falcoholic and The Falcoholic Podcast. And as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Gina Thomas of SB Nation. Uh, today joining us is Carter Brazil, one of the great writers uh, that you can find at thefalcoholic.com, also one of the sites under the SB Nation umbrella. And let's just get to the news. So, First topic, Gina and Carter. First of all, thanks for joining us uh, this evening. Yes. So first topic I want to talk about. uh, Last Friday, April 13th, uh, we saw uh, the U.S. once again uh, for the second time uh, in two years uh, strike at Syria. Uh, And obviously this was in retaliation for Uh, The chemical attack that they allege was uh, conducted by Syria on its own people. Uh, It was uh, twice the size uh, as far as the number of missiles, uh, the strike points from that attack uh, as compared to last year. Uh, So, uh, Gene, I'm going to go to you here first. Um, This is the second time, and obviously the first time was not as effective uh, as it should have been because... Uh, you know, Assad is back to uh, uh, gassing his people again. Um, but your thoughts on the the timing of the situation uh, and, and even just the strikes in general?
1: Um, I don't think that it was necessarily the best approach. Um, I didn't care for the timing. And I didn't care for the way that Trump went about it. I do feel like this was an issue that should have had congressional approval and he did not have congressional approval. Um, and so, yeah, I had some concerns with it. I also just want to say I was out on Friday night dealing with my younger daughter, senior prom, and I heard about the strikes from y'all, David, in our group chat. And then I DM'd Carter about it and he confirmed it. And I was like, well, this is a shit show. So that was basically my take on it. It was a shit show.
0: Yeah, uh, and I will say um, the, the point you made about the congressional approval uh, has come up a few times. Uh, a story landed, uh, I believe, just yesterday where uh, General McManus wanted to get congressional approval before launching the strike, but he was overruled by the president. Uh, Carter, your, your thoughts on this strike, the lack of congressional approval its effectiveness, the entire thing.
2: Um, I mean, to even give any kind of context to what our plan is in Syria, um, just requires taking it all the way back to the beginning of this. Um, we have no plan in Syria. Mm -hmm. There is no good options. Um, Syria is essentially like a proxy war between, you know, Iran, Saudi Arabia, us, and Russia. Um, so, I mean, you, you could take it back to, you know, like in 2013, there was that massive gas attack and I believe the city was called Ghouta. Um, and mm-hmm. the, the videos were, were awful. It was some of the most gut-wrenching mm-hmm. shit I've ever seen. Um, yes. And this has been going on forever. And it, it's, it's really bizarre to me to all of a sudden decide, like, okay, you know, another gas attack, yet another gas attack. And, like, that's the, like, that's the tipping point. Like, that's when we decided to just launch cruise missiles at Syria, um, even though the people in Syria have been suffering and fucking dying since pretty much, right. you know, the Assad regime is, has, has absolutely decimated its own people since the Arab Spring kicked off. So right. it, it gets into a point where, like, why, why is people dying by gas, OK, or not OK, but, you know, the Assad regime could lob barrel bombs into, uh, you know, Homs or, uh, you know, suburbs of Damascus. And that's OK. Like, we'll, we'll let that right. slot. Um, so I, I don't really know how to feel about it, to be honest with you. I mean, if if you're not going to remove, you know, Bashar al-Assad and, you know, basically commit to regime change, I don't know what it does.
0: Yeah. Mm
2: -hmm. And, like, there's a lot of people in Syria that have, I mean, there's kids that have grown up in Syria that know nothing other than this. Mm -hmm. So, like, where's, I mean, so cool, like, you know, Donald Trump, you, you know, shot, you know, a bunch of cruise missiles at, you know, in Damascus at, you know, some targeted strikes. But what's the next step? because at there's the end of the no, day...
1: There's no strategy.
2: There is no, no There's
1: no long-term view. There's no long-term view of this situation. Yeah.
2: And, and that's the problem with it. And because it is, I mean, in essence, it's a proxy war. So yeah. you run yeah. the risk of, you know, if, if you bomb like a platoon of Russians, then all of a sudden, you know, there you go. <laughs> you, you've got a whole nother world of shit kicking off. So um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, obviously, I... I what happened in Duma was awful, completely terrible. Mm -hmm. But what do you do past what just started? Because nobody wants to get into a, you know, prolonged war in the Middle East again. But at the same time, like this has been going on since what? 2011, 2012.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep.
2: It's yeah. Syria is a a real weak spot for me because it's, um, (laughs) Yeah, I don't
0: know. Um. Yeah, and I'll add, uh, you know, there are many on the left who uh, were happy to hear that uh, Trump planned to pull out of Syria. Um, there were many on the right who were frustrated by that, that feel that we should continue to be a presence there. Uh, there's the added complication that uh, Russia would be very happy if we were out of Syria. It, that it would allow them to continue their plans uh, of expansion in the Middle East and, and expanding their influence. It is a very complicated uh, uh, issue uh, in, in Syria. It is not, it's not a simple left-right, um, right-wrong issue. There, you know, as you mentioned, Carter, there's a lot of facets to this. I think in this particular strike, um, and Gina, I know you've got some tweets. I'm going to turn this over to you here in just a second. I think what's mm-hmm. per- particularly interesting about this strike and, uh, is, is the timing. Uh, Rachel Maddow on her Friday night show uh, alluded to the fact that uh, even if it is not a wag the dog situation, at the very least, that question comes up because of the nature of Trump and the controversies around his uh, domestic issues, the issues with his lawyer, Michael Cohen, which we'll get into in a little bit. Uh, but Gina, there were some tweets that even sort of added to um, the the drama, the spectacle of what happened on Friday. Do you want to point those out?
1: Well, David, there's always a tweet. In most cases, multiple tweets from Trump that either contradict or make an absolute farce of whatever he is trying to do. And it's really one of my favorite things. So we're implementing a new segment this week. And in this segment, Donald Trump – from the past time travels to the present and gives contemporary donald trump advice via twitter (laughs) which is the only way to give donald trump advice because that's all this motherfucker does is tweet okay so donald trump back when uh, you know in 2012 2013 when things were very tense in syria and when the previously that devastating gas attack happened um and then you know, when the U.S. did bomb Syria, he or when that was being discussed before anything happened, um, Trump said, what will we get for bombing Syria besides more debt and a possible long-term conflict? Obama needs congressional approval. (laughs) And then,
0: guess what? (laughs) Obama
1: was just like, well, I guess we'll get together with our allies and bomb Syria without congressional approval. If... Current Donald Trump had listened to past Donald Trump. I think that that probably would have been actually wise in this situation. It's very interesting to me when sometimes an old tweet of his surfaces, I'm like, hot damn, that's actually not the dumbest shit that I've ever heard in my life for once. So that but was again, certainly the case here.
2: Uh, like, basically, to me, this the, the whole thing with Syria um, and, and Donald Trump's made it abundantly clear. That um, it, it's all about Barack Obama's red line and all this bullshit. Mm-hmm. So, again, mm-hmm. he, this is like a foreign policy area that Barack Obama caught a lot of shit on, and rightfully so. Um, yes, I agree but, with that. But it's where Donald Trump is, is basically drawing his own line in the sand and saying, you know, look what I did. Like, I, you know, when mm-hmm. I enforce a red when – I, when I draw a red line, I enforce it. So it's his yeah. hatred for Barack Obama is leading to him making foreign policy decisions just to rub Barack Obama's face in the dirt. That's what I mean that's well, how Well and
1: that's to- it, it I totally agree with you and I would take it one step farther and say that it's even more problematic because Trump doesn't understand the nuance of the situation or the context, and he also has no long-term view of potential outcomes and how they impact our country. And I saw this video last week of Obama talking about the serious situation back, you know, when that um, attack happened during his presidency and it was very interesting because I'm with you Carter like I didn't like the way that that Obama handled that situation however yeah, really. what I what what really struck me when I watched this video was he very thoughtfully explained the entire situation with context and then explained the United States possible options for handling it and the possible or the probable outcomes of each based on his thorough and complete understanding of what was happening there and i feel like that's what's lacking for trump and i feel like that's extremely problematic and not something that we should gloss over because you kind of have to fucking understand the stuff if you're going to be able to bomb the shit out of a country i mean i think that it should be just a minimum requirement
0: yeah and there are questions as well Uh, Obviously, earlier in the week, Trump had actually tweeted out, and I forget the exact text of the tweet, uh, but it it essentially said, hey, Russia, get ready. Uh, Big smart missiles are coming. uh, Oh, yeah. And and, uh, many people uh, took that as to mean, um, you know, hey, we're going to screw your people out. Right. And, and I think the, the bigger implication was he was literally telling Russia, we're going to strike. You may want to get out of the way. Exactly.
1: Uh-huh.
0: And again, uh, for a president who is being uh, roundly criticized, questioned on a weekly basis about why he is uh, incredibly friendly towards Russia and in particular uh, Vladimir Putin. Uh, and again, we're going to touch on this a little bit later. Uh, he seems to only do things that reinforce the image that he wants to help Russia first and foremost, that tweet being one of those. And obviously uh, within it, it's going to be hard. It's, it's hard anyways to evaluate how effective a strike like this truly is um, until you get down the road. But obviously the strike from last year was not all that effective because Assad went right back to doing what he was doing uh, you know, prior to that. And I suspect this will be very much the same. But uh, I don't wanna, uh, you know, it, it's as with many of these topics, we could spend an entire hour dedicated to a single topic. I do wanna move on, um, but I did wanna start with this one because it was such a significant, uh, again, moment within this administration. So, uh, Gina, for the next topic, I'm gonna turn this one over to you because you actually dropped this one in my lap. I thought this was extremely interesting. And again, within the context of where we're at politically in this country, and even more so how uh, this current administration has normalized some things that maybe weren't uh, uh, considered normal before. I, I think this article is, is a bit of, of a highlight of that. So I, I turn it over to you for the, the, the item that you found.
1: Yeah. Um, well, I don't know if everybody remembers, but there was a plot to attack muslim refugees and three men were arrested um they were three right-wing militiamen from rural kansas which sounds about right um and they were planning to slaughter muslim refugees living in an apartment complex and so they're like literally planning murder Because these refugees were Muslims. And, you know, our contemporary political climate has a real focus on hatred toward the Islamic faith. And, you know, there's been the uh, travel ban and all these kinds of things that this uh, different ways that this administration has tried to target muslims and unfairly and unconstitutionally i might add so anyway these men have gone through their trial and they were all found guilty on charges of weapons of mass destruction and conspiracy against civil rights so essentially hate crime um they face potential life sentences they will be sentenced in june so we don't know the details there but what i think is very interesting is this their defense attorneys argued that this was all just talk that this was all just harmless talk they were radicalized by chaos news which i think is like fake news but extra fake news like i don't even know what (laughs) chaos news is like chaos news is like like if i were going to pinpoint chaos news i would probably say like Infowars or some shit but i don't think that's what they mean i think that yeah, so anyway, so they were radicalized by, quote, chaos news, but this was the part that really got me. They were wrongfully targeted by the feds for, quote, locker room talk. Yeah. Okay, and if you'll remember, Wait, when Trump so this was, this was...
2: this was in the, like, actual court this proceedings? Was their, yes.
1: This was in oh the actual court proceedings. This is a matter of public record because it was, yes... So all of these – their conversations were recorded. They called these Muslims cockroaches. Um, They have all these text messages from these people. One of them went by the codename Orkin Man because he was planning to exterminate these cockroaches who were Muslims. Oh, my God.
0: I mean, it's, it's
1: really, it's, it's really horrifying rhetoric. Like it's when you look at this and when you look at the things that they said about these people, they were mapping out targets. They were planning attacks on areas that had high concentrations of Muslim citizens. Um, Garden city, New Jersey, there's one apartment complex that's home to many Somali Muslim immigrants and there's a mosque there too. And that was their plan. They were, collecting explosives. <laughs> so, I mean, you see tangible evidence that this is not just talk. They're planning to actually do something. Like they had maps, they had a pin on the specific um a, a, on a Google Earth map. They had a pin on the specific apartment complex. They uh. were gathering explosives. They um wanted to bomb the apartment complex during Muslim prayer times because the more victims would be there. And they were very – I'm not even going to get into how explicit they were about really wanting to murder these people, okay? And then their defense attorneys tried to just characterize this as it was just talk. It was just it's chit-chat. Just it was just locker room talk. Okay, and if you'll remember, when the recordings emerged of Trump talking about how he just grabs women by the pussy, that was characterized as just locker room talk. And I will and say – And a still characterized as yeah. Yes. And as a and as a woman who has spent a fair amount of time in NFL locker rooms, it's not. OK, it's not. I I it's it's not. And I've talked to players, Falcons players specifically, but uh, players from a couple of other teams who have confirmed to me it's not. Guys are much more likely to be in there talking about their wives or their kids or their cars actually mostly their cars or music is, <laughs> what, is what they're usually or ping pong actually they're often fighting about ping pong in falcons locker room they are not talking about grabbing women by the pussy they're not talking about sexually assaulting women and i can good and goddamn guarantee you they are not talking about murdering muslims that is not locker room talk and it's despicable that trump has set such a low standard for discourse that that can be used as a defense strategy in a in a case where we're talking about the mass extermination of people based on their religious beliefs that's that's not american that's that runs completely contrary to everything that our country every value our country was founded upon and the first amendment as a fucking whole like it is so disgusting to me and constitutional conservatives quote unquote who support this kind of talk and the idea that, that this is just, you know, something that we should excuse because it was just, quote, bluster. No, that's not OK. And None no. of this is OK. It's actually very problematic. And and I do think that it's worth talking about the fact that Trump has lowered the standards for discourse so dramatically in this country. Like it's it's depressing and it's embarrassing and it's unbecoming of the office of president. And in this case, you know, we're talking about actual an actual murder plot. Okay. Yep. It, this is terrorism. These these men are terrorists. These men who tried to carry out this terror plot against Muslims. Um, and so it's, it's horrifying. It's horrifying to see what the ways that this country has devolved. I mean, it, it's disgusting to me. So that's all I have to say about it.
0: Yeah. And to add to that yeah, over the past decade, more Americans have been killed by white extremists that have been killed by uh, Islamic terrorists in the US. And that mm-hmm. is that is a fact. That is an indisputable fact. Uh, yeah. And these guys have, uh, they intended to add to that list. Uh, uh, and I don't think it's any coincidence that we've seen more of these types of attacks over the past year and a half to two years uh, coinciding with Donald Trump raising the rhetoric of uh, how uh, people who are not white are coming to get you, how uh, the people who are coming into this country, they're criminals and they're coming here to rape your, your, your wives and your children. Uh, they're coming to steal your jobs. He has created an atmosphere of fear amongst uh, people, uh, white people who are, uh, for whatever reason, terrified of the world around them. And it has created uh, this idea that um, no matter what they do, there is someone that is coming for them. And, and these people are indicative of that. They, they view anyone who is a Muslim as being a threat. Uh, and uh, it, this is largely, and I have zero hesitation in saying this, this is largely a result of what Trump has brought to uh, this nation. So, Uh, Carter, your your thoughts on this story and and, uh, how
2: Trump may factor into this. Well, I mean, you see it like in the, you know, rhetorical buzzwords like fake news is Mm. now Mm -hmm. making its way around the globe. um, Anytime any dictatorial leader is questioned on anything. I mean, shit, Mm -hmm. Russia. Uh, Russia straight up said that the, you know, going back to the gas attack in Syria, they said they straight up said it was fake news. Um, and they're, they're taking their cues from the top. <laughs> um, wow. I, I've seen countless, countless shitty comment sections, which I know I should not delve into. But um, <laughs> always a good
1: rule of thumb: never read the comments. I told you that early in your tenure at the Falcoholic.
2: Oh, on on a bad evening, I might I might you know mosey on over to a Yahoo article and um, oh, you know, boy.
1: scroll down. <laughs> Brave man,
2: scroll down like you know eh, maybe you know three clicks of the mouse, and sure as shit, if it's something having to do with a, uh, any kind of sexual assault type thing, anything, you start hearing. You'll see it like it's locker room talk like, yeah. you know, that's just locker room talk. And it's all it's it's like PR cues um, and buzzwords that come straight from the president. I mean, shit. Mm-hmm. Again, the fact that they were referring to, you know, Somali, uh, you know, Somalis that lived in their community, they were going to bomb their apartment complex. They were referring to them as cockroaches. Cockroaches yeah. is, mm-hmm. is a long established pejorative for any kind of undesirable. You could right. trace it back to World yeah. War II. Um, I mean, the fucking the radio broadcaster during Rwanda ended up getting indicted because that was his entire broadcast was we've got to get rid of these like tootsie cockroaches. Um and oh, basically God. inciting mm-hmm. people to go out and hurt people that were, you know, that they considered not of the same class. So mm-hmm. as much as it it may seem like you know, to, you know, people who would dismiss it as, you know, harmless, you know, nothing talk or, you know, that's just, you know, he, he's just making his point. No, no, this has consequences. And when you have mm-hmm. Russia saying fake news, literally saying fake news um, to a gas attack in Syria, you start getting into some really, really dangerous territory um, where no, you know, the you can just dismiss things and yep. a, a large sect of society will you know, agree
1: with it or believe Except it. Accept that as fact yeah. Be- because it's convenient, because it because it doesn't challenge their ideology. And I just have one more thing to say about this that I think is actually fundamentally important. These three men who were planning this terror attack, and I mean they were talking as specifically as getting into – the nitty-gritty of what they would pack like what kind of shrapnel they would pack into these explosives that mm. would do the most damage wow. this is not this is not just idle chit-chat this is actually like detailed plans to carry out a terrorist attack these men were planning to wait until after the 2016 election because they didn't want to hurt Donald Trump's chances of winning <sighs> I want everybody to think I want everybody to think long and hard about that.
2: Oh and no, you just, activated, Trump, you just activated if, my if, Alexa.
1: If, if, <laughs>
2: <no>. <laughs> you said President Donald Trump you now. What? You know
1: crazy. What? Alexa is Alexa is rightfully upset about this. Actually mine because <laughs> I just said her name. She, now she's like, Hello, what can I do for you? Amazing. Um, Alexa, can you make Donald Trump not president?
0: <laughs> i'm sorry i wish i could do that
1: she said she told me what donald trump tweeted about oh my god this is the world that we live in
0: <laughs> anyway are, i top.
1: just want i i do want everybody to to really like seriously think about the fact because i know but we've joked about this we the three of us joke about this all the time political news moves so quickly now and we were planning to record this maybe yesterday and like there's been so much more stuff that just happened today that we're like uh, holy shit this is a completely man. different show than we were planning to do but um i do want everybody to really just take a moment and take a deep breath and try to process the fact that these men who were deliberately and very specifically plotting to murder a, as as many Muslim men, women, and children as they could at one time with bombs that they were going to make and pack with shrapnel that would do the most damage. I want you to think about the fact that they were going to wait until after the election because it was so important to them that Donald Trump win the election. Yeah. That's really problematic, you guys. That's like that's really, it's really fucking problematic.
0: Yeah. And so I it's think...
1: not like we don't all know that Trump is a problem, but the fact that that he he that has they knew learned, that
2: they knew he would be a problem and connected to it, so they wanted to wait.
1: Yes, and and that they that they love and support and respect his ideologies is a problem i mean i know a a lot of my conservative friends gave me excuses like oh we need a conservative supreme court nominee which also we should talk about that but um yeah yes that's (laughs) because hey but yeah like i i I was i was like first of all actually fuck you but then secondly "Mm, The problem is this. I don't think that you can claim religion, like Christianity, and be like, well, my Christian values mean I have to vote for Republican. We've all talked about how how I feel about this, and I'm not going to belabor it. But, like, you're supporting a man who is beloved (laughs) by men who are – Planning to murder a bunch of Muslims. I don't think that that's really where you want to align yourself if you're a Christian. I don't think that's consistent with your values or yeah. what your values are supposed to be. That's just my two cents. Okay, I'm done with this. Also, breaking story, news making me very upset.
2: Oh no! Breaking news. Oh god! Stormy Daniels is on the cover of the next month's Penthouse. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Lordy.
1: Well, I mean, you know, That's Stormy Daniels. power uh, to her.
2: Stormy Daniels tells and bears, in parentheses, bears all. All right.
0: Well, um, <laughs> not entirely shocking. And uh, <laughs>
2: actually, a good
0: segue for our next segment. I'm going to skip over... Uh, the what I had previously listed, uh, just simply because of time constraints, or else this podcast would be four hours long. Yeah. And I want to touch on one of the most significant developments over the past, uh, couple of years, a uh, couple of weeks, and that is the it feels raid. Like it feels like it, years. It, it's, it, it's probably applicable for both, to be honest. Um, and that is the raid that happened on Michael Cohen's uh, hotel room his house and his office. Uh, and, oh and yeah.
1: My favorite, my favorite story. Let's, oh, this, let's go. Let's fucking go.
0: This is so rich. Um, so uh, as, as a reminder for those who don't know, Michael Cohen is the personal attorney slash fixer. I say that with uh, quotes, Let's, uh, for, let's for Donald start quote. putting
1: attorney in air quotes because yes. he went to literally, literally the worst law school in the United States that yeah. you only go to if you are so fucking horrible at everything that you can right. only go to this law school. <laughs> so, quote, attorney, attorney air quotes. Okay. Yes, absolutely. That's my only request.
0: So last Monday, Monday on April the 9th, uh, his offices were raided by... Uh, the FBI, uh, his office, again, his office, his apartment, and he's staying in the hotel room while his his, uh, condo in uh, Manhattan is being renovated. They raided all three. Um, And uh, here are some really quick details about what we know uh, to be facts about this raid by the FBI. Uh, Number one, they are partially looking into payments made to Stormy Daniels, Uh, Kara McDougal and uh, the payoffs made for the GOP fundraiser uh, who has come into uh, the light in recent weeks. Um, This is, uh, there are potentially charges of uh, campaign finance violations, uh, wire fraud, bank fraud, and bank fraud sounds minor, but that is actually considered to be a super felony uh, which yeah. carries up to a one million dollar fine and thirty years in prison. So it is banks, not a small. Banks don't charge.
2: like that. They don't banks like that. Banks do at all.
0: not like that. Uh, and it is uh, there is very good oh, reason weird. to believe. It. Oh yeah, it's it's a major crime. Um, <laughs> a raid on it's, a.
1: Little- it's crime. It's the biggest crime.
0: The, we only do the bigly, biggest crimes. Bigly crime. Uh, we only.
1: Hey, okay, sorry. I'm gonna. I'm gonna rein myself in.
0: We only have the biggest crimes um, in in the Trump organization, <laughs> uh, and I want to clarify some some things up front. And a lot of this has been covered in the media, and I, I feel like it bears repeating. Uh, number one, to get a raid on a lawyer, there is an exceedingly high bar that has to be passed. Uh, Number one, Mm -hmm. it has to be approved by the Department of Justice. Uh, In this case, uh, this raid was signed off by uh, Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein. Uh, This was referred. It was not executed, but referred by Robert Mueller as part of his investigation. He referred it to the Southern District of New York, which is, Mm -hmm. uh, again, a part of the federal system. It is not the state of New York. It's still part of the federal system, but the Southern District of New York. It had to be approved by a federal judge. Uh, there has to be a significant amount of uh, probable cause that indicates that not only is there evidence of a crime uh, that this lawyer has, but also that there was a very high expectation that he would destroy that evidence uh, if they did not execute um, this raid. So. Mm-hmm. Under normal circumstances, a judge would tell prosecutors to issue a subpoena to get these documents. This means that a, an independent judge said, go get those documents before he destroys them. So this is incredibly significant in looking at the evaluation of what happened to, to Michael Cohen. And finally, uh, for those worried about attorney-client privilege, uh it, the way that this is handled is they have a, what's called a, a, a taint team. Uh, This team will sort through all the evidence found to determine what meets attorney client privilege, what does not, and what does not will be turned over to the prosecutor. So it's a completely separate team uh, uh, from the team that will ultimately prosecute this case. So a tremendous amount of information that happened here. Obviously, Huge implications for Donald Trump, since this is one of his closest uh, lawyers, someone that he is very close to personally and, again, legally, someone who probably knows all his deepest, darkest darkest secrets. So Carter- Bless his
1: heart for having to know that. Right.
0: Uh, Probably doesn't sleep well at night. Um, Carter, I'll start with you on this. Uh, Your thoughts- Overall, Okay. Uh,
2: well, for, first and foremost, I've woken up way too early for the past week, and every morning I've heard the combination of words "tank team" uh, <laughs> way too much that early in the morning, and I, I laugh and I spill coffee everywhere, and it's really bad for my living room. But um, okay, I'm 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 going to scale it back here a little bit, not to be too conspiratorial, but let's not forget. There was a weird, unexplained fire in Trump Tower last week. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: t- oh, my gosh. I did not put this together, but you're a yeah. good
2: call. Yeah, and ball. you know what? I mean, it, it, maybe it sounds kind of crazy, and maybe I'm just giving myself that weird caveat, but shit, the raid on Michael Cohen's office in Trump Tower happened like three days after that fire. It's true. So just to, to throw that out there as like a weird addendum – um yeah, i mean i I said before, like when I was on the pa- the podcast that Michael Cohen has a shit ton of exposure mm-hmm. with this entire thing,, yep. and uh you know, the, the stormy Daniels issue is like i mean i I put my I put my foot in the sand, I said, this could be the thing that takes Donald Trump down, yeah, and now I mean he's they're getting involved in civil litigation to a case that apparently he's not a party to, but he was. And, um, it's, it, it's absolutely insane. <laughs> and I, I will say about, uh, Stormy Daniels, her attorney, Michael Avenatti is absolutely paying or uh, playing Donald Trump like a fiddle. Oh, he is. He, yeah. Um, he, he is very, very, you know, media savvy um, he's all over the morning shows all over the daytime news shows and just trolling this dude and baiting him and saying crazy shit and and he hasn't he hasn't relented um, but you know going into the legal aspects of it it's a big deal that this happened in the like the southern district of new york
0: mm-hmm.
2: because that was preet Bharara's district yep preet Bharara, mm-hmm. the, yeah the assistant or the uh, what assistant AG or assistant district attorney? Yes. For the Southern district? Yeah. Who was who was let go by Donald Trump. Um, let go is a euphemism for booted out. But um, he's pretty much been a thorn in Donald Trump's side in terms of, you know, Twitter and media stuff ever since. And the dude he appointed was was the A. G who pretty much said, Okay, yeah, do it. <laughs> yep. And um, <laughs> And again, it, it harkens back to what I was talking about last time. You go into, uh, you know, it starts off as something, you know, bank fraud, wire fraud. They're investigating Russia. Robert Mueller finds something and he passes it along. He passes it along to the right people. And, uh, you know, in Bill Clinton's case, it was, uh, you know, the the Whitewater investigation with Ken right. Starr. Yep. Right now we have Robert Mueller passing this along and, you know, <laughs> Donald Trump's fixers, uh, apartment, office, and hotel get raided. So, uh, and on, this, on that point, point good news
0: I, I want to Joe. jump in there because I think this is an important point because I've, I've, I've seen some people who were uh, a, a Trump defenders jump in and say, well, th- this is outside of Mueller's purview. He should not be doing anything with this. And, and here's the thing. Uh, even though he is, you know, a special counsel. He has a very specific purview of which he is supposed to investigate. Um, he has a responsibility to the Justice Department that if he sees evidence of a crime, another crime, he has to let the atten- attorney general and the Department of, just- just- yes. Act, Department of Justice yes. know that he cannot simply just say, Oh, that is none of my business, I won't deal with it. it let's escalate this and let's pretend. That he saw evidence of a uh, a, a child uh, um, sex pornography ring that was going. Oh on.
2: no! Now we're going into pizza
0: gate That, that in, was in being the-
1: run out of a pizza right. place. <laughs> right. That <laughs> was being run out of a pizza place in DC. His Mueller
0: response-
1: discovers Pete's gate, He's got to follow up. Okay. <laughs> He's got to bring the shit down. Obviously, 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 we have to save the children. Obviously. Exactly that hillary but, is jeopardizing their lives we have but there, to do is, it. A there is a
0: legitimate there is a legitimate right there's a legitimate argument that he has to let the justice department know that i'm not supposed to be investigating this but i found significant evidence indicating this is the case and that is exactly what he did because if there's one and thing look, we've learned about bob Mueller, it's that he is a buy the books kind of guy
1: he is And he's also a bulldog. If he sees evidence that could potentially be a federal crime, he's going to do his due due diligence, set up his case meticulously, and then bring people down if he can and if he has to. But he doesn't do anything capriciously. And like you said, I mean, the things that they're looking at Cohen for, yeah, like I – I think that it's very interesting that he has handled payments to these women allegedly with his own money didn't yeah, seek repayment from any of his clients and then uh you know never did anything wrong per <laughs>
2: <drop> and before, <laughs> so we, before we started recording before we started recording it came out that uh I guess the National Enquirer has released Karen McDougal from her contract. Yes,
1: they did. Um, yeah, from so, her non-disclosure agreement. Yes, yes they did. So, yes. And Chamber, Chambers dropped that in our other group chat today and he was like, how sad is it that we're at the point as a country... <laughs> <laughs> Where this is not like this is not even a blip, like nobody's even talking about sure. this. Like right. Trump Trump apparently had sex with this playmate who then got hush money from the national fucking enquirer on his <laughs> behalf. And they're releasing her from her non-disclosure agreement. So she almost certainly banged the president when he was married. And now she oh, can yeah. talk about it.
0: Yeah. Oh. And yeah. nobody
1: cares because it's just Yet like it's just yet another thing. Like it's just one more uh, just add it to add it to the list. Yeah. Add it to the list. And I do I enjoy the rich irony of the family values party doing so many mental gymnastics too not have to deal with the fact that this is their president. Like It's so amazing to me. It's like, remarkable. It's really amazing.
0: It really I, is.
1: I, I respect the hustle. I respect the, I respect the mental hustle that's yeah. happening here because wow, there's nothing about this that's okay or consistent with any of the values that you try to force on the rest of us.
0: Not <laughs> even remotely.
2: Why does, it's really
1: why- cute that you're okay with it.
2: Why does the CEO of the National Enquirer have to be named David Pecker? Like why <laughs> is that? Like, why is that?
1: Is that his name? It
2: is his name. Yeah, it's David. Oh, oh, my god, god
1: This makes me so happy. I'm thrilled by this news.
0: So yeah. I'm I'm, I'm gonna draw us back in and get our first David. <laughs> <back on. laughs> so uh
1: although I will and, say that was an important aside.
0: That was an important one. Uh an important development from this past Monday, on April 16th, uh, Trump's lawyers, uh, a- a- along with Cohen's lawyers, filed um, a temporary restraining order to try to get this evidence uh, back in their hands. The, so the evidence that the FBI seized from Cohen, uh, they went to a judge, uh, and I believe the uh, judge Wood, I believe it is, um, and they, the judge basically flat out denied their temporary restraining order. Uh, And the argument coming from Trump's lawyers, Cohen's lawyers, is uh, we should be allowed to review the documents first to determine what is and is not privileged information, which, of course, is uh, completely preposterous. It was a major loss uh, for Trump and his lawyers. And I want to emphasize this. They were trying Mm -hmm. to essentially turn a raid back into a subpoena uh, where they, Mm -hmm. again, control the information. Uh, The judge flatly denied it. At this point, the only thing that remains is for the judge to determine whether or not they're going to use a special master to handle the documents. Uh, that is mm-hmm. to be determined at this point. But of course, one of the mm-hmm. big things that came out of this entire drama on Monday, uh, and Gina can attest to this, I was freaking out in our chat because I was dying of laughter. Uh, yeah, oh, Michael, Michael Cohen's lawyers uh, were, were trying to defend him in the aspect of the, the federal government said... Michael Cohen barely qualifies as a lawyer because he has very few clients. <laughs> uh, Michael Cohen has he three clients.
1: very bad at his job.
0: It's, it's oh, so good. Very bad. This is this
1: is three, three clients. He has three clients. He has three
0: clients, and they and uh, he named the first two. Obviously, Donald Trump is one of them. The other one was the GOP. I, I can't remember his name, but the GOP fundraiser, David
2: David or who who David Brody, down
1: right. because yeah beca- right. because because.
0: He paid one and a half million yeah. to have his uh, um, um, uh, mistress have an abortion, uh, which, mm-hmm. uh, again, we're glossing over that, and that is a big story in its own right. But it well, it was- and
1: and I just want to say, like, it first of all, it it, it actually really upsets me to think that a man compelled a woman to have an abortion like right i feel like i feel like that's a very personal decision i feel like that's a lot of money to give a woman to have an abortion i'm very uncomfortable with this and also i feel like if you are pro life which i am i'm pro choice if if the woman wanted to have an abortion i support her choice mm-hmm. i also understand that yeah that's not an easy decision and it's a especially like as a mom like i know that that's it's it's a difficult thing to weigh, and I'm I, if if you're a Republican, the party that is very aggressively aligned with the whole pro life situation, hmm, <laughs> that's ugly. That's ugly as fuck. I have really a real is. problem with it. It's so hypocritical. I really, I really have a problem with it. So and, that's it. I'm and
0: okay. in this political era, it is a footnote in uh, in all of the stories we're covering, which is again. Uh, Gina, you and I have talked about this repeatedly. It is distressing to think that you know so many stories get glossed over because they are trumped by massive mm-hmm. stories in nature. Uh, but of course, the, <laughs> trumped.
1: The, what a, what a, trumped. What a, what what yeah. an interesting choice of words.
0: Uh, but the big revelation, of course, uh, that came out Monday was that the third client for uh, Michael Cohen is none other than Sean Hannity of Fox uh, News. <laughs> <of the> <laughs> Only the
1: best. And this is so beautiful.
0: It was classic. Oh,
1: I just, it was really one of the most wonderful moments of my life when I saw that I was getting ready to head into a prospect interview. I had like two minutes to get my shit together, and I can't remember which one of our friends dropped it into our messenger chat. I can't remember if it was you or oh, Chambers, David, it was but. Me. Okay. And I just was like, holy (laughs) fucking shit. And then I laughed. I laughed so hard. And then I got on this video conference call with this, with a prospect for one of the, for one of the positions I'm hiring. And I was like, like taking deep breaths and like trying to not, like my mind kept wandering back to Sean Hannity. (laughs) And I just wanted to laugh so fucking hard. And then as soon as I was done with the interview, I went on Twitter and I said, Sean Hannity LMAO with like 80 O's. And <laughs> a bunch of people liked it and retweeted it because we were all thinking the same thing. This is fucking magical. This is one of the most magical moments of this administration. I don't know what Sean Handy was using him for. And Sean Handy has gone back and forth between saying I was not a client of him and also why is my attorney client privilege being violated? Which is, those are two very different things, Sean Hannity. You can't have it this both ways. This is not ways. the way that life works. Yeah. This is not the way that the law works. This is yeah. not the way that any of this works. But and, yes, I don't it, really know what was going on, but it's fucking hilarious. I don't even care. Like, and, I don't even care about the specifics. This is magical. Oh, I love it was it so much. I think
0: the just <sighs> the political drama alone was worth it. But you brought up a very interesting point. And Carter, I'll go to you with this because. Um, to what Gina said, uh, Hannity has essentially denied that he is actually a client of uh, uh, Michael Cohen. And you know, he, he has said that he's asked him some questions. And all of this speaks to attorney client privilege. And uh, you know, attorney client privilege has come up a lot over the past week. Um, and the, the reality of, of attorney client privilege, it is, a, it is a very specific privilege, meaning just because you talk to an attorney doesn't mean that that is a protected conversation. There has to be an agreement. There has to be an understanding that is explicit between the client and the attorney. Um, but at, on a bigger note, Sean Hannity essentially saying, uh, no, Michael Cohen is not my lawyer. Uh, actually has a legal ramification because michael cohen's lawyers explicitly stated in court that he is a client of michael cohen which means if hannity is right these guys have now effectively lied to the court which is a, a <laughs> is a crime in itself which means that michael cohen it's, is no, being it's investigated felony, it's
1: felony perjury and right. yes yeah, it's it's, it's, it's you have to remember that, yes, these these attorneys for Cohen were compelled to give the name. This judge, yes. this judge is not here for the bullshit, which I have right. to just interject and say, I respect it. Like, I respect it. She is not here for the bullshit. She's like, mm, no. And then I noticed that this was kind of interesting, just as a very quick aside, but um, some conservative watchdog type people dug up the fact that this judge – Trained for five days to be a playboy at a playboy club in London, and it's like, first of all, (laughs) we're talking about the president banging porn stars and playboy (laughs) centerfolds. So, actually, fuck all the way off with this. Okay, you don't get to slut shame this judge. (laughs) not on my watch not when we're dealing with this this is extreme like this is more hypocrisy than i can bear and the like this entire administration is just fraught with hypocrisy i'm used to it but like no i'm not doing any of that so this judge is like Mm-mm, no you have to give the name this is not protected by this is not protected right. like you have right. to and then they were like Sean Hannity and so they knew that they could actually go to jail if they didn't give the name yeah and they said Sean right. Hannity they're, they're probably yeah. they're probably not lying <laughs> okay because because Sean H- they could have just said some random ass person <laughs> if they wanted to lie like oh you know Tom Thomason, Tom Thomason is the like look like look him up. He's a very he's a very important client of ours. Like they could have just made up a name. They said Sean Hannity. Everybody knows who this asshole is. Like every everybody knows. They're not making this up. It is amazing. And I'm so, like, as you can tell, I'm actually delighted.
2: Very excited about this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, mean, I, think so, <laughs> I think it's so funny.
2: There is, a, uh, there is a subpoena out for Sean Hannity's toupee maker right now.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if it's the same as Trump's.
2: It could be. They share yeah, lawyers uh, and toupee makers. No, first off, um, the irony of this is... Uh, Michael Cohen brought this on himself mm-hmm. like him going in to you know, try to like big Dick fight this whole thing. And the judge like called him on his bullshit and made him declare who his clients were. Yep. Um, pretty much brought this all on Sean Hannity. And I don't know what it does to Hannity. If we're talking about like attorney client privilege um, from my understanding it, I mean, it doesn't have to be any kind of, like, contractual obligation. There doesn't have to be paper signed. There doesn't have to be money exchanged. It just has mm-hmm. to be an agreed understanding between, um, you know, like, you know, DW, if I'm talking to you, you're my attorney. And, you know, uh, hey, man, I need some legal advice. And it's it's advice given and received, um, mm-hmm. but in, in a formal, not a formal setting, but in basically a conversation where nobody else is around. So it, it's like murky waters when it comes to what is considered attorney-client privilege. Right. But um, this is what Sean Hannity is basically trying to base his entire argument on. Right. And I don't it's think Michael Cohen and his attorneys who fought to keep Sean Hannity's name hidden, I don't think they feel the same way. <laughs> so <laughs> there's, mm-hmm. probably, there's probably some paperwork. Uh, That Sean Hannity's, you know, he goes to bed at night, stares at the fucking ceiling and thinks about whatever Michael Cohen's got in his file cabinets. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, And I think this could ultimately land Sean Hannity with a subpoena uh, because now he has openly contradicted something that these lawyers have said in a court, which Mm -hmm. uh, in front of when you say this in front of a judge, you were held uh, you can be held in contempt and, and, you know, for perjury, uh, as Gina mentioned earlier. So mm-hmm. this is a serious yeah. matter. The fact that, uh, handed well, and the I've, I've, it. It,
1: it's, it's been a number of years, but I did, you know, I mean, you guys know right out of college, I wanted to go to law school, I thought. And so I spent a year interning with one of my high school teachers who passed the bar while I was in college. And, um, what, <laughs> what she 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 was like Gina I'm not like I'm not sure that practicing law is for you but come intern with me for a year or you know however long you want to and see what you think and then we got a death penalty case and I was like hmm I'm really not like when somebody's life hangs in the balance that's not really my thing and I obviously I took my career in a different direction but I do have a really complete understanding of attorney-client privilege. And <laughs> here's the thing. It doesn't apply when they're investigating a crime right. that was committed with the, the full knowledge exemption. of the attorney and the client. If they're, if they're talking about plans to commit a crime, whether it's bank fraud or wire fraud or any of these other things, That's not privileged communication. And if you're moving money around in ways that are illegal to pay off women so that they don't tell their story about how you had sex with them or any of the other things that they're paying women off to not talk about, um, that is a crime and that's not protected by attorney-client privilege. I feel like that's a very important distinction because I feel like, you know, because I feel like our president of the United States of America is tweeting attorney client privilege is dead. Guess what? It's not. You just have to not break the law. You have (laughs) to not aspire to break the law. And then you're fully protected when you talk to your attorney. If your conversations with him are not about planning to break the law, (laughs) then you're good. Michael Cohen
2: is not even, I mean, he's an attorney in terms of he's got the paperwork, but he is not. Yes. He does not litigate. Like, y'all have seen Breaking Bad, right? Oh, yes. Yep. Okay. Well, Carter, um, you, you...
1: Carter you... you know the answer to this question now.
2: But... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, this is not going where you think. Michael Cohen is Mike Ehrmantraut. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah, he, he he's he's a dude. fixer.
2: He's the dude he's, who he's the muscle. cleans it up. And, and mm-hmm. yeah. And if. You know, if the boss man get pissed off at somebody, he sends him a really angrily worded letter. Um, but he he's not a litigator. Like you have yep. three clients, bro. Like. <laughs> and that was the that was the federal government's argument uh, was
0: essentially that this guy is more of a quote unquote businessman than he is a lawyer. And that most of the, his documents under that understanding would not be protected under attorney client privilege. What's very interesting about this. Uh, is I actually saw a segment on Fox News again, you know, state propaganda, where Alan Dershowitz, who has been a a you know, oh, pretty, fuck him. I don't know, but uh, here's the thing, he's been a pretty predominant Trump supporter, but within the context of this investigation, he said explicitly that there is probably a significant number of those documents that Michael Cohen has that will not be protected under attorney-client privilege because they don't meet the stringent requirements of attorney-client privilege. So even he, as a rampant uh, Trump supporter, acknowledges that there is extreme exposure here uh, for Michael Cohen uh, and for Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. And a a couple of things I want to add, because I I do want to get onto some of our additional stories, even though this one is rich for discussion. Um, Number one, uh, the likelihood that Michael Cohen is rated in not Charged with a federal crime is zero to none. He is going yeah, to be charged yeah. mm-hmm. with something. He is going to be uh, uh, indicted for some crime, and it's going to be significant. Uh, the right now, the, the it looks like at least at the minimum, potentially bank fraud uh, amongst a host of other charges. Which means there is still the potential for- at
1: the minimum potentially yeah. bank fraud
0: That's a, it's won't. a massive crime yes it's, again a yeah, super felony it's
1: super serious yeah yes. it's it, mm, it's not yeah. good yep. it's paper not trail good crimes.
2: No. paper trail crimes
0: yeah <laughs> and they're it, it to that point uh, that you're making carter paper trail crimes are very easy uh to, to prove yeah <laughs> yeah um yeah, they are so it, the other thing, and this is, uh, and I hate downplaying this, because again, so much of this is rich for conversation, but we, we've, we, there's so much to talk about in today's political climate. Uh, the Attorney General for the State of New York, Eric Schneiderman, uh, has reached out to lawmakers in New York asking that they change the laws in New York so that there is no longer double jeopardy, and uh, that they put an exemption in for people who have been pardoned of an equivalent federal crime. So uh, to I clarify, yeah, this is significant because essentially, and he specifically mentioned the fact that there is a fear that uh, President Trump could pardon people who committed crimes that are crimes also in the state of New York. Uh, and because of this, they're looking to change the law in New York, which to this point says that uh, they will not try somebody who is. was... Uh, previously convicted or tried for the same crime at the federal level. He wants to open it up that they can still be tried at the state level if that person was pardoned at the federal level. And okay. what this yeah what this is aiming to do is to take away the power that the pardon would have where for instance Donald Trump may look towards uh, you know Michael Cohen and say don't worry about the bank fraud, I will pardon you. And this may open it up to where the state of New York could then step in and charge him with state crimes, which for those who don't know, the president is not capable of pardoning state level crimes, only federal ones. Right. uh, And
2: and the only like the only time I've ever seen this brought up um, was in uh, relation to Paul Manafort. Right. Because, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Paul Manafort was specifically charged federally and at the state level just to wipe out any chance that you know, if, if Donald Trump were to issue him a pardon, right, um, multiple jurisdictions, that, yeah, he he would still be able to, you know, he'd still be on the hook for any charges in uh, in New York. But I I guess it's because I'm, what I'm gleaning from this is that all of the forthcoming charges against Michael Cohen will be federal. That's the only thing that I, I right. can think of really, because um, if it involves like bank fraud and wire fraud, it's going to be across state lines, it's a federal crime. Um, so when I saw that today, when I saw that Schneiderman, he put out like a press release pretty much urging, uh, the, yeah, the New York state legislature to, uh, basically get with the program with the rest of the country is what he said, which is weird for New York because they're usually ahead of the curve, right? Uh, but, um, I, I, I saw that and I was like a little bit confused, but then thinking about it, I'm like, okay, it's, it's because they're not going to charge Cohen with any state crimes. So I'm going to be federal.
0: Yep, And uh, to be clear, there are about 20 states of the 50 states, there are about 20 that have uh, this quote unquote non double jeopardy clause where uh, if a person is tried at the federal level, the state will not try them at the state level for the same crime. Um, But that also means that there are 30 states that will double try you for a federal crime. Uh, at the state level as well. And it has been upheld constitutionally, which is a key component of this. So there is not a concern about the constitutionality of New York enacting this uh, as you know their policy. So they can enact this. Okay. And there's plenty of uh, existing states where it has been upheld that a state can try a person for the same crime that they were convicted or try that uh, at the federal level. So... Um, I, I've, I've read actually multiple articles on this today, and there seems to
2: be universal consensus on that. Um, so this this kind of gives some new context to the uh, the Scooter Libby pardon, right? Because yeah, I mean Donald Trump pardoned Scooter Libby last week, uh, who was convicted for lying to the FBI. And I'm wondering if this is uh, you know Eric Schneiderman is is feeling like okay, I've got to send a signal back that um, you know, we're basically trying to, you know, if, if you commit crimes in, you know, on a federal level, um, we'll try you at the state level. Because Donald Trump pardoning Scooter Libby was basically a signal to everybody, especially Michael Cohen, that if you lie to the FBI, I will pardon you. Because that's the only reason Scooter Libby was indicted. There was a special counsel. And it also had a lot to do with James Comey too. But okay,
0: yeah, and, and it, it again. Yeah, as I'm, I, I told Gina this yesterday. Has like uh, I know we're post we're gonna uh, do this on on Wednesday evening instead of Tuesday evening. Uh, but every plan that I've had for uh, this podcast is gonna get blown up because the the news yeah. is literally gonna change in one day, and it certainly has. Uh, so, for instance, I've completely skipped over the Mike Pompeo visit to to North Korea story. Uh, we're going to so, which briefly... was a
1: secret until Fox News <laughs> said there was a secret meeting, and then Trump was like, "Oh yeah, there was a meeting." Because I'm very busy watching Fox News and tweeting.
2: Oh, it's that's my yeah. whole
1: presidency.
2: It, it, we don't it, got to it, talk about Mikey pumps.
0: We, yeah, we it's it, and... it's
1: like performance art. This whole fucking <laughs> scenario, <man>. like it's. <laughs>
0: it's really something it really is um so
1: very briefly talk about nikki haley though
0: yes and that i'm glad you went there that is what i wanted to touch on real quick uh because this is again pretty significant uh in within the the context of the russia investigation uh and obviously after the the strikes in syria um russia's support of assad in syria um Obviously, Russia's attack of a a U.K. citizen, a former uh, spy against Russia on U.K. soil, Uh, all of this, uh, you know, the U.S., uh, many people in the U.S. have been looking for Trump to issue additional sanctions against Russia uh, in retaliation for the multiple things, you know, not just the things I listed. There's literally a list that almost is uh, exhausting that we could go on about. Um, but the reality is is that uh many people have been pushing for additional sanctions, including Gina, the, the person you just mentioned, and that is uh uh our UN representative Nikki Haley, uh who by the way, I, I happen to have a tremendous amount of respect for. I think she's done a tremendous yeah. job in Nikki Haley,
2: Nikki Haley cannot be bossed. Yeah, she I cannot.
1: Like you <laughs> know what? I was I was literally just going to say Nikki Haley is like the the government version of me I it have really so, like she handled this whole situation exactly like I would have handled it and I have so much re- I would have been like bitch I don't get confused I don't get confused <laughs> <laughs> that, so that's uh, such a that's such a Gina Thomas way to handle things <laughs> so it I, truly is. I fully respect it I'm into so, it
0: just past Sunday in in light of everything that had happened Uh, Nikki Haley went on uh, one of the Sunday talk shows and she explicitly said that uh, the uh, Department of the Treasury would be issuing new Russia sanctions uh, either immediately or come Monday morning uh, in retaliation for what had happened in Syria. Uh, And many people, including Trump supporters, uh, were ecstatic about this, saying, you know, see, this is proof that that Trump is, is hard on Russia. Trump is hard on Russia. And then Monday morning came along and yep. uh, it was quickly put back that uh, Nikki Haley was thrown under a bus. Uh, the white house walked back those sanctions. And we have found out today that not only did they walk those sanctions back, the uh, a representative from the white house actually called the Russian consulate and said these sanctions would not be put in place uh additionally uh they said that haley's statement on sunday may have been because she was confused haley shot back uh yesterday saying and i quote i don't get confused so uh, gina you 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 opened this up for the story so your thoughts on this uh again, another drama within the Trump White House.
1: Well, and I think that this is a really good opportunity to bring things full circle because we're talking about the the narrative that Trump has created and has been able to sustain just by saying, you know, things that aren't flattering to him are fake news or, you know, just kind of Pushing a story in a different direction that maybe isn't 100% true. Like maybe, you know, a, a few little untruths in there and it changes the whole narrative. And I think that this is one of those situations where somebody that he assumed would be A loyal supporter of trump which let's be honest trump assumes everybody is going to be a loyal supporter of trump this is a man who asked for comey's loyalty his personal loyalty when comey had a responsibility to be loyal to the united states and nobody else and so it's kind of fucked up but yes um this is a situation where Trump and people connected to him assume that they could just be like, oh, no, this is really what happened and just tried to gaslight the fuck out of Nikki Haley. And Nikki Haley's like, bitch, I nope. don't get confused. That's not what happened. <laughs> and one thing that I really am just reveling in these days is that we are seeing this more and more. I feel like, I feel like people who maybe fell for the Trump lie hook, line, and sinker early on are now like, we're being extremely manipulated, and I'm not comfortable with it. And so, you know, I, I, I do feel like early on, Nikki Haley was, you know, pretty I don't know, in line with, with Trump's whole agenda. And now she's like, no, that's not at all what happened, because it's not. It's not. Right. And that's just being honest. That's not being disloyal. That's not being problematic. That's just like, no, this didn't happen the way that you're saying that it did. And actually, what you're saying is, is a personal attack on my character and I'm not going to stand for it. Good for her.
0: Yeah. Uh, Carter, yeah. your your thoughts on the implications of this, not only for the maybe the tension uh, between Haley and the White House, but uh, again, Trump essentially, once again, refusing, flat out refusing to enforce any sanctions against Russia, even when uh, the majority of Congress is in support of it. And now, apparently, even his uh, representative in the U.N. is strongly in support of
2: it. I mean, it's pretty simple. He doesn't like being told what to do. And I feel like Nikki Haley um, has gotten a lot of uh, she's gotten a lot of press. Um, and a lot of positive press, well deservedly so with, with the statement she's made at the UN, um, condemning Russia in the UN security council and Donald Trump don't like that. <laughs> so <laughs> these, these statements, I mean, she, she went out on the Sunday talk shows and was unequivocal saying that they were going to impose new sanctions on Russia. Um, she doesn't just, you know, Nikki Haley's not somebody who's just going to go off the reservation and start freelancing, uh, you know, foreign policy. And I think <laughs> Donald Trump in the White House got upset, mainly Donald Trump. And it was Larry Kudlow, <laughs> the, the new uh, national, like, uh, the, the, dude, the dude who replaced Gary Cohn uh, mm-hmm. from CNBC, who was the one who said that, yeah, I think she was confused no, no, no. <laughs> with yeah. all due, with all due respect I don't get confused and it's just another thing like it it kind of harkens back to what we were talking to earlier about Syria like this dude makes emotional decisions mm-hmm. on foreign policy in mm-hmm. a massive scale so um, if we're talking about Russia sanctions which everybody agrees like look like we've all <laughs> across the aisle everybody agrees this is a smart thing to do like it, it it doesn't require any thought and it was because nikki haley came out and was forceful about it and he didn't like the press she was getting yeah uh, that 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 is exactly the vibe that i'm getting um and it, it, it wouldn't surprise me i mean you're talking about a president who watches you know television all day long yeah so we seeing. and Nick when Kitten we say television
1: we are talking about fox Fox news
2: <laughs> <laughs> but even but fox Which news i
1: watched uh, as, because you guys are two of my very dear friends i you, you both know this about me a couple of weeks ago like this was a very like this was a life changing experience for me i watched like six minutes of fox news because i was like as a responsible podcaster, I should be aware of, if I'm making fun of Fox News, like, is it really as bad as I think?
2: Oh, and I turn
1: it on, and I lasted six minutes, and I was like, holy it's fuck, as bad this as you is think. state-sponsored propaganda. Hey. Like, that's all it is. It it was, a hor- as a journalist, it was horrifying to me. I, I yeah. like, I actually, I, and I'm a very emotional person, which you you both already know about me, but I actually, like, got upset about like i actually cried about it a little bit i was like people watch this and they think that this is real like this is fantasy this is just state-sponsored propaganda pro-trump propaganda and it is really a legitimate concern yeah can we, uh, can we anyway. organize
2: can we organize a falcoholic rescue operation to save chef smith can we save chef <laughs> smith i like chef smith and i i, I, I he is one of Yes, the actually few that he is
1: know. he's a he's a real one. He's a real one. He's yeah. an actual journalist trying to survive in an anti journalistic environment. So yes, he, I'm on board. Hate
2: hate Sean Hannity. <laughs> yeah. uh, mm-hmm. he, he actually refers to
1: Sean Hannity I don't know if you guys saw this, but today Sean Handy was like, I've never said that I was a real journalist. I'm an opinion journalist. I was like, bitch, these are contradictory terms. That is not a real thing. Either you are a journalist or you're bullshit. And I'm going to lump you in to the bullshit category.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Well, he sucks is what I'm saying. (laughs)
0: Uh, Absolutely. (laughs) Anyway. Uh, can
1: we just say, I think we can gloss over Scott Pruitt and just say Scott Pruitt sucks and he is abusing your tax <laughs> dollars for his own benefit. That's the whole segment. You're welcome.
0: Yeah, that was going to be our, our closing Brad, segment.
1: Congratulations, Scott yeah. Pruitt.
2: And that, for absolutely. taking advantage of
1: the American people's are, hard are little... money, you fucking jackass. I...
2: There are no telephone booths anywhere on the corners of American streets anymore. But this brazen man somehow thinks he can get a $42,000 one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so
1: Listen, I, this I, motherfucker is acting like he had an apartment in D.C. A, 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 renting a room for like $50 a night. Okay, so when I when I got, when I got this new Java SB Nation, initially I thought I was going to have to relocate. So my options were New York or DC. So I was looking at both, and um, I make a reasonable amount of money, and I have a reasonable amount of money in savings. Like I've I've been saving for a place to buy. So I was looking at buying. And I looked in DC, and it was like, here is a really shitty studio apartment that you can buy for four hundred fifty thousand dollars. <laughs> i was like or or not or not like i'm I'm not doing any of that and if you look at rentals in dc which i was i was like maybe i would just rent and then like decide like where i want to live you cannot rent a one-bedroom apartment you can't rent a studio in dc for that amount of money i mean that's like 1500 a month i pay I'm not even sorry to say I it, like it in, in, in the, the north cheap. suburbs. Yeah, well, no, like I paid twelve hundred dollars for a two bedroom place, forty minutes north of Atlanta, like in the North Atlanta suburbs. Like it's, I pay a lot of money for a D place to live here in DC. A comparable place would be like four thousand based on my research there's no way that like that this was it it was an improper benefit is what i'm saying it was absolutely an improper benefit and it's disgusting that anybody's acting like it wasn't also the cops at one point had to break down the door because it was like the middle of a Wednesday afternoon. He was asleep. And Pruitt's he was security. Asleep. Yes, Pruitt security details. Like he's not responsive. We're very worried. Like, can you? Like, there's a nine one one call and a transcript and everything. And so the cops show up, and it's the middle of a Wednesday afternoon when he is supposed to be working at his job. And instead, he's asleep in this $50 a day rental, taking a nap. I don't, you know what I would love to fucking do? Take a nap anytime during the week. Like, I would yeah. love it. But some of us have actual jobs that we have to do, and we don't have that luxury. Fuck you, Scott Pruitt, for taking advantage <laughs> of my tax dollars and also taking naps on Wednesdays when you're supposed to be working. Fuck you. I don't yeah, appreciate I, it, and I, would, I don't support I, it. I,
2: I like how this started off as Gina saying, we can just skip over Scott Pruitt. Uh, but No,
0: we're going. We're going. We're going, we're going completely bad. in. I, for-
1: oh, I forgot how oh. mad his nap made me. Like, I <laughs> swear to <laughs> God, the nap, is, the nap is what put me over the edge because I need a nap. I clearly need a nap. <laughs> like, I, I so- definitely need one. I'm very cranky. <laughs>
0: Gina, you opened it up. I'm going to dive into it real quick. I wrote these notes down, and I just want to rattle this off. Uh, So Scott Pruitt and the corruption in the EPA. uh, Carter mentioned that the $43,000 phone booth installed in his office, which is now under investigation, uh, the private jets and flying first class because uh, he was, quote-unquote, concerned about his security. Uh, (laughs) The fact that uh, a – and this is this is actually pretty significant. The uh, there was a request placed to the EPA to show uh, for a Freedom of Information Act to show the threats made against Scott Pruitt, and a whistleblower within the EPA uh, revealed that there were actually zero threats against him. Uh, and that whistleblower has since I been that. yes, that whistleblower, by the way, has since been fired by Scott Pruitt, which could result in a whistleblower lawsuit. Fuck. There is. There is a law in uh, the United States that if you're a whistleblower that you cannot be retaliated against, and this person probably has a very strong yes. case against Scott Pruitt now because of that, um, Fifty dollars and $30,000 raises for two of the people that came to the EPA uh, from Oklahoma following <laughs> Scott Pruitt. Uh, rumors that he
2: denied, by the way, but he right. lied about he,
1: it. And, and he, was, he, he was like, "I never, I never heard of these raises." And then people were like, "Well, buddy, I've got well, receipts. Them. Okay, yeah, here are the exactly. emails."
0: <laughs> uh, it, it, there were rumors that he wanted to rebrand. This is this blows me away. He oh, wanted is, to take. This is crazy. This is he, crazy. He wanted to take the EPA coin, and he wanted to remove the EPA logo. And put his name on the EPA coin instead, um, and it, I mean that's just that's so bizarre. And then one that, of the more significant things—the
2: logo looked like a weed leaf.
0: Yeah, he thought it looked too much like a, a marijuana leaf, which was just maybe true. But uh, and then finally, one of the big things that's going to be under, under investigation was a trip he took to Morocco with a, a team of seven people and a security detail. Uh, where he was trying to convince the Moroccan government uh, to buy liquefied natural gas from the U.S. Uh, By the way, there is only one company in the U.S. that sells liquefied natural gas, a company by the name of Chenier Energy, who happened to be represented by the lobbying firm Williams & Jensen. And that lobbying firm, Williams & Jensen, the wife uh, of Steve Hart, who is one of the leads of that lobbying firm, is the person who rented the uh, apartment to Pruitt for $50 a night. So he is in bed with the lobbying firm that he went down uh, to Morocco. And, and by the way, that is completely out of uh, his job. Respons- that's not even the EPA's job responsibility. They're not out there to sell no. uh, liquefied natural gas. This guy is, uh, his level of corruption may actually make Trump look like a relatively tame person. And that is saying something. So I've rattled off a lot of things, and we're going to close off the podcast with this. Um, Gina, your thoughts first. I'll go to Carter, and we'll close it out.
1: Well, um, Scott Pruitt is trash. Those are basically my <laughs> thoughts. Like, I've already gotten very <laughs> mad online about his about mid midday Wednesday nap, which I'm very offended. Like, my tax dollars pay your salary, and apparently for your first-class flights and for your soundproof phone booth in your office and for your $50-a-day fucking inappropriate rental in dc which doesn't make any goddamn sense if you know anything about real estate in the greater dc metro area and so i'm already mad at you and then like this is a it's it's egregious the things that he has manipulated his position to then enjoy the benefits that he has enjoyed because of his position it is corrupt and it's ridiculous and we should all have a huge problem with this. This is a public servant who is abusing our tax dollars and frankly, I work too hard for my money and so do both of you to be footing the bill for this fucking idiot and so that's what I have to say about Scott Pruitt. He sucks and now I'm done.
0: Carter, uh, <laughs> your thoughts on the head of the EPA? Um,
2: well... <laughs> <laughs> let me collect myself right now um scott pruitt was nominated <laughs> to the office uh and confirmed I, I don't know what the what the line was on the senate in terms of his confirmation but i feel like it was really really close but this is a dude who made his career suing the epa yes yep like Very he, good he point. wants to sue the epa out of existence he has mm-hmm. uh, disdain for people that want clean water and clean air, mm-hmm. which I mean,
1: which I different. feel like are things that everybody should want. Sure,
2: yeah, there but is. I mean, mm-hmm. if if you're Scott Pruitt, there, you know, those are luxuries. But you know, his phone booth, though, <laughs> that is something we need. So, <laughs>
1: <laughs> this, this fucking government, you guys, it is really hard to wrap my brain around. It
2: truly, <laughs> I, is. Every day, every day, there's a report about Scott Pruitt, and it, it's just drip, drip, drip. And the, the the main reason why he hasn't been fucking fired yet, and I uh, let me before I even go forward, I feel like Scott Pruitt gave Ben Carson some cover because it was looking <laughs> no, like old old furniture, <laughs> furniture Carson
1: men oh expensive gosh. firms cars he, he tried to pass that off on his wife yes, he was right. like Candy
2: who shares yeah. my
1: Twitter account which still kind of I'm not going to lie like I would I would literally have a Twitter account with my husband which I don't have because I definitely would not share a Twitter account Scott, with anybody
0: Scott what, Pruitt was what? like hold my beer yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, so this, ahead, this, is only, this is the only administration where one major, like, taxpayer materialistic uh, funding scandal gets trumped by another within like three weeks. <laughs> so mm-hmm. uh, we've got we've got the drip, drip, drip of Scott Pruitt, which saved Ben Carson. I mean, he's I mean, he, that guy's sitting pretty right now. People forgot about him. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, Everyone but, has forgot. This is the administration, man. <laughs>
2: But it's the fact that Donald Trump hates environmentalists. That's yeah. what it is. And Scott yeah. Pruitt is a, is a absolutely like avowed warrior against environmentalists. And when you hear people say like, uh, you know, oh, you know, he's done some really good things. Like, I mean, Scott Pruitt still has a lot of support on the right. And there are people that are willing <laughs> to go out on, on national television and defend him. And... You'll you'll see them talk about like oh he's you know he's accomplishing Donald Trump's agenda. It's like what is his agenda? Like like putting poison back in the river, you know, taking away California
1: tax (laughs) dollars away away, from poor people who like eat or have housing. And so yes, I think that he does with his very expensive.
2: Like that's
1: a great use of government.
0: Gina, you're breaking job. up now. Good job. Oh. Which may be a sign that the podcast has to come to its end. Probably.
2: <laughs> Scott Pruitt, Scott Pruitt just called in on his forty-three dollars phone booth. And he <laughs> down. He's called it a strike. He's called it a strike. We gotta go.
0: He's he's nuking <laughs> Gina's <laughs> in <skin laughs> rat line.
1: Please don't criticize my very expensive phone.
0: Oh god, Gina's dead. <laughs> Scott Pruitt got her. Scott Pruitt <laughs> got her. Damn it. Carter. Uh, so <laughs> I had a good run. She had a good run. On that note, uh, we're going to wrap up uh, this week's podcast. Again, uh, uh, folks, seriously, we had a, a whole host of topics. Uh, but in today's climate, today's administration, it is so difficult to, to talk about things in, in a short period of time. Uh, we're going to try to get these out a little bit more frequently, uh, especially since I'm not – spending time in Canada like I was, uh, this past week. Um, but, uh, Carter, let, let the listeners know where they can find you and, and and what you've got going on.
2: Uh, A lot of nothing going on. Um, but you can find (laughs) me at at poliotropic carts on Twitter with a Z poliotropic carts. Very spicy. Nice.
0: Gina, where can they find you?
1: that are at Gina Thomas, that is J-E-A-N-N-A, usually tweeting pictures of uh, my, I- about <laughs> Donald Trump, so, take your, rest in peace, for SB- Scott, so,
0: Scott, while i his- there
1: and I've got a couple of,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Scott Pruitt completely nuked her. Um, so, sorry, Gina, I had to put you on mute because uh, it was getting really bad. Scott Pruitt nuked your internet connection with his uh, with his uh, forty three thousand dollars phone booth and his uh, you know his nasty fifty thousand dollars raises. So, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, June. It was it was inevitable uh you can, you can find, find
2: gina on twitter at,
0: at, at gina thomas j-e-a-n-n-a and of course at thefalcoholic.com and sb nation she will be helping sb nation with nfl draft coverage uh coming up next week uh, as for you guys you can find me at thefalcoholic.com and my twitter handle is falcoholic dw uh so for carter brazil gina thomas this is david walker we thank you guys for listening and we will talk with you next time